Welcome to New Life Sunday service. Uh, welcome, especially if this is your first time. Um, New Life is a community that exists for the glory of God and the gospel of grace. And this is the good news of His grace towards us, and His grace is always with us. His face is always turned towards us, and our God is near to us in our time of need. My name is Young, lead pastor here at New Life. And if you're new to New Life, welcome to the live stream.、Uh, we would love to connect with you, so please stick around and fill out the newcomers form, which will be available at the end of the service、uh, via the QR code or via our link tree. Now we've been、uh, spending a bit of time in fellowship during this lockdown time、um, through YouTube's live chat feature. I've really loved seeing the way that you guys interact、um, through that live chat feature. Uh, this week, can you just share one highlight from your week? Just one highlight from your week. It might be something simple、uh, that you got to do. It might be something a little bit bigger. But whatever it is, share in that YouTube live chat.、Uh, what was one highlight from your week? And I'll give you a few moments for that. All right. Hopefully, you've had a moment to share in the YouTube live chat about a highlight from your week.、Um, I've really enjoyed, and I've really been encouraged by this sharing last week as well. So,、uh, certainly, I'll go over this week and see what was a highlight of your week, and say, "Oh, that's good." <laughs> well, I'll、uh, hand it over to Creative. I believe that we have the scripture reading video. So, for our scripture reading,、um, I'll pass it over to Yuna.
Thank you, Yuna, for that scripture reading today. You know, there are a few questions that we as humans ask uh, throughout our lifetimes when we think about ourselves and when we think about our God. One of the big questions might be, why am I here? Who is God? And quite often we might ask, where are you? Where are you, God? Where are you is one of the big questions that we ask during hard times as we seek to figure out why things aren't easy, why things aren't turning out the way that we want. And it's actually a question that explains a lot about who we are, if you really think about it, and the way that we think. It reveals a lot about our hearts. So we think life should look a certain way. And when it doesn't, if it doesn't, we think that someone has dropped the ball and we look for someone to point a finger at. We also think that God should cater to those needs and that he ought to be bettering our lives the way that our great wisdom dictates. It's also an expression of our doubt towards God. If you think about it, where are you? It's an expression of our doubt towards God when these two areas are challenged. Where are you? And this morning, it's easy to go into this side of questioning about where God is since we're living through, as you know, a global pandemic, since plans have changed. But this is a good question for us, even generally speaking, even without any doubt, any disappointment, any anger directed towards God, where are you? Where is Jesus now? So for many of us, we haven't thought about this. In some of our minds, Jesus is right now a fairly peripheral figure. He kind of resides in the shadows of the past in our minds. So we think everything that needed to happen has been accomplished. We think purely about Jesus in the past tense. He saved us at the cross, which is correct. I'm glad that we look towards the good news of that. But in our thinking, where is Jesus now? Do you ever think about this? For a lot of us, we don't really imagine Jesus up to much of anything now. Our passage today, it tells us that Jesus always lives to intercede for those he saves completely, those who come to God through him. So that means that after the ascension, when he rose, when he rose into the heavens, he's seated at the right hand of the Father and he continues to rule his kingdom and intercede for us, which he will do until he returns to judge and renew the world. Now you might hear all this and you might wonder, well, what does it mean for Jesus to intercede for us. You know, maybe you've been around the church for a little while and you've heard this term before, intercede, you know, intercession. We have within the mother church of Sezun an intercessory prayer team that prays on behalf of new life. But what does that mean? What is intercession? So in general terms, it means someone comes in between two others and makes a case on behalf of one to the other. So we have examples of this in our lives. 
If you think about it, like the classic example is the lawyer appealing on the client's behalf to the judge and the jury. He comes in between the client and the judge and the jury, and he makes a case. Parents also often intercede on behalf of their children to their teachers while they're going through school. Probably not as much in university, you know, but I had this happen during school. So my mom, my mom actually came and sought out the head of the maths department when I was in high school. And she just argued with him for such a long time until he finally just threw up his hands and allowed her embarrassed son to take three unit maths, which was probably a mistake looking back. Or if you're into sports, you'll often see agents negotiating on behalf of sports stars with their clubs or with their teams. But the way that Jesus intercedes on our behalf goes beyond any of these analogies. Our verse today reads this, because of this oath, Jesus has also become the guarantee of a better covenant. So the highlighted word there that you see on screen there, translated as guarantee for our modern English, it was used in the original Greek to talk about someone who took on the responsibility of another person's debt if they weren't able to pay it. So he would guarantee that he would pay this debt if this person could not pay it. Many years ago, when I was planning on moving to Korea to enter into seminary, to study to become a pastor, I remember being really anxious, you know, thinking about how am I gonna pay for this thing? Because there was no fee help like we have in Australia. I'm, I'm not a Korean citizen. And so I didn't really know how was I gonna pay for this whole thing? So I called my parents at the time. I was already visiting Korea. And so I called back to Australia. And I said, you know, I, I'd start looking for part-time work at a church eventually. When they, if they hired me, i l l try to figure out how to raise funds from that point onwards. And I'll never forget my dad's words to me, you know, just over the phone. I, I hadn't ever he- heard him speak like this before. But he just kind of sighed and he said, of course I'll support you. What do you mean? You're my son. He was my guarantee if I couldn't pay and the admissions department came knocking, looking for that money. He was the one who accepted the legal obligation of the payment on my behalf. So in a similar context, Jesus Christ became a priest with an oath. And because of his eternal life, he's priest forever. Which means that he is a guarantee of this new covenant in his blood, he is the guarantee Meaning, he makes certain that the covenant will be effective forever. Now, if you're unfamiliar with this word covenant, or perhaps you've heard it before, but your memory is a little bit hazy, we talked about it during our Easter series, Make Things Right. Now, in the most basic terms, a covenant is an agreement between two parties, between two sides. And when we talk about a covenant with God, generally speaking, we're talking about several promises that are made throughout scripture, that are throughout redemptive history. So the covenant of redemption happens in eternity past. 
It's between the Trinity. So it's between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, where the Father promises to give a people to the Son as his inheritance. And the Son promises in return, as part of the covenant, to redeem them. Then there's the covenant of works, which we read about between God and Adam in the garden, where God promises him eternal life if he passes the test in the garden. If you've been with us for a little while, you know he fails. And then there's the covenant of grace, where God promises a champion to come and fulfill the broken covenant of works. This champion will represent all of his people, and he makes this promise, he makes all of these promises completely out of his grace. And all of these things are speaking of one, Jesus is clearly intimately involved in these covenants. At the same time, he's a guarantee of their effectiveness. So in Christ, we have a better hope. And this hope is certain to be secure in him because the great high priest that guarantees it is Jesus. It's not someone else speaking on his behalf, it's himself. Jesus, who God the Father has sworn in with an oath. This is the type of intercessor that we have. If you've been around New Life for a little while, um, you know that we're all about glorifying God in the gospel of grace. During this lockdown period, you've heard me talk about it at the beginning of service. You've heard all the presiders before talk about the gospel of grace. It's the good news that Jesus died for us on the cross was raised to life again so that our sins might be forgiven, that we might have eternal life with him. This is the redemption that we talk of. So the question might come up now as we talk about Jesus interceding on our behalf. If our sins were forgiven on the cross and it is finished, as we heard in that song, why do we need Intercession. Now, if we were to believe that the work is complete and just leave it at that, we might imagine this scenario where God just walks away from us now. We would believe that God is just working on some sort of assignment in some detached manner, that we were mere projects that were taken on to a certain point And then once it reaches that point, we're just left to run on our own. We might believe this. But no, God takes a great personal interest in us. He's not detached. And in continuing to apply the work of his son in our lives, he continues this work. And in fact, the son Jesus' continued intercession keeps on applying the work of the cross in our lives. It will never stop. We need this. We need intercession because our hearts constantly drift from the finished work of Jesus on the cross. It is finished. His work is finished and yet our hearts would turn away from this finished work and walk its own way. As the words of my, one of my favorite hymns goes, prone to wander 
Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And so we need an intercessor. As the hymn continues in these prayerful words, take my heart, take and seal it with thy spirit from above. Because our God knows that our hearts are sick and constantly drift from him, from the full forgiveness that we have in him, he provides us with an eternal intercessor to continually apply this work in our hearts and to call us back to him constantly. Because we know that we're prone to wander and he knows this much more than we do. Hebrews 7, 23 to 25 reads this. Now many have become Levitical priests since they are prevented by death from remaining in office. But because he remains forever, he holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him since he always lives to intercede for them. So the writer of Hebrews compares the old priesthood and the new priest in Jesus here in these verses. And the comparison comes by the way of a small chiasm. Remember when we talked about chiasm. So verses 23 to 24 starts with those who become priests because their priesthood is temporary due to their eventual deaths, but Jesus remains forever and so he's not temporal, he's not temporary, and so he remains a priest forever. Do you see this? It's a very small one. Jesus intercedes on our behalf in eternity, for eternity. So many human priests have come throughout history, and we see a succession of them throughout the Old Testament. If you read through the Old Testament, it's fascinating. It starts with Aaron as the first priest, and then at his death, his son, Eliezer, comes, and then at his death, Phineas comes, his son, and on and on until the fall of the second temple in AD 70. The historian Josephus, he recorded that there were a total of 83 high priests from the time of Aaron until the end of the priesthood. Each high priest ending his time in office with his death. So why is this important? Why does the author of Hebrews write about this? So imagine you're worshiping in this time and you know that you need intercession. Okay, the hymn hasn't been written yet, but you know that your heart is prone to wander. But your intercessor, you see him. He's only human like you. He falls asleep like you. He forgets like you. He sins like you. And in the end, he will die like you. There's no certainty. There's no guarantee to be found there. How will he constantly intercede on your behalf? There will only be time periods when he can intercede. But unlike those priests, Jesus Christ remains forever. And because of this, he's able to save completely, utterly, forever, perfectly, absolutely, those who come to God through him. Therefore, Jesus Christ is the undying hope in our lives. He has saved us. He continues to save us because Jesus 
is. As he says, before Abraham was, I am. Because Jesus is, he does not fall asleep, nor does he falter. He does not disappear, nor die. He remains. You know, this time last year, I was being interviewed by the pastoral search committee. And while the committee was learning more about me, I was also learning more about new life. You know, I was looking through the church's statement of beliefs. I was looking at the structure of the church within his husband. I was looking at the history of the church. I had some uh, firsthand experience with the church's history, you know, having attended in the past, but seeing it in written form. You know, it was like the PSC was New Life's very own Josephus, okay? They had documented everything that had happened. I was struck by just the temporal nature of this time period that pastors held office at New Life. Seven pastors in less than 20 years, much shorter than the lifetime appointment of the priesthood of the past, of course. You know, you don't expect people to remain with the church for an entire lifetime anymore, I suppose. But also, shorter than many other churches. And reflecting on this at that time, my heart hurt. I thought about it a lot. But reflecting this week, thinking about this this week, I was encouraged. I drew hope from the eternality of our great high priest, Jesus Christ. Looking at New Life's history, along with looking at Hebrews 7, I was encouraged because he is the greater promise, the guarantee of a better covenant. God the Father's oath has sworn in Jesus as the eternal high priest. So Jesus guarantees the new covenant prophesied in Jeremiah 31, which we read during pre-service prayer. Throughout this passage in Hebrews, this contrast between Jesus against our temporal nature is just striking. Like, I'm in the same category as every other pastor. When I talk about the history of new life, I'm under no illusion of being around forever. I'm aware of my own health. I'm aware of my own span of life. I'm aware of all these things. I know I won't be around forever. But even when it comes to entertainment, when you look at things like this, when you look at the world in front of us, the few short years that we have are quite clear once you start looking for it. Think about the pop stars that we listen to or we love to watch on YouTube that are here for a few short years and then they disappear into the background. Where are they now? What are they doing? They're not at the forefront of our imagination anymore. The fads that seem to be everywhere, that seem like they'll never go away, they eventually do go away. And the sports stars, like nowadays we're all, well, not all of us, but a bunch of us are watching the Olympics. And the sports stars that seem so utterly dominant, untouchable, even they start losing to 
just a little bit of pace as the years wear on. They start looking more and more human, more and more frail until the next sports star comes along. We have but a few short years, but the love of our great high priest, Jesus, is forever and he remains forever. Verses 26 to 27 read this. For this is the kind of high priest we need. Holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. He doesn't need to offer sacrifices every day as high priests do. First for their own sins, then for those of the people. This is our eternal high priest. Hebrews tells us he is holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, exalted above the heavens. We saw last week how his heart of compassion is turned towards us. And this same heart of compassion continues to beat for us still, still today, perpetually, for all of eternity, his heart of compassion is towards us. Now, just as always, his heart is drawn to us, his people, in fullness of love and grace and mercy. And Hebrews tells us, therefore, he always lives to intercede for us. Like, remember that verse. Memorize this verse. Therefore, he always lives to intercede for us. Think about the beauty of this sentence. He always lives to intercede for us. For our ongoing lives of sin and fallenness, we need Jesus' constant intercession and grace renewed in us in the sight of an eternal and holy God. We need it. We need him. If you have come to God through Jesus Christ, you know you have changed completely. You're in a new, restored relationship with God because of Jesus' death, resurrection, ascension, and his current intercession. You're no longer seen as the one who constantly betrays God. Even if your heart tells you otherwise, even if your emotions convince you otherwise, no, you're no longer seen as the one that sins against his holiness. You're seen with Jesus' righteousness covering you. His intercession renews this in you constantly. So draw near to him today then. Come to him in prayer. It's no coincidence at all that when we finished up our series on prayer, it was a week or two before lockdown started. It's no coincidence at all. If you've been feeling as though you haven't made the best use of your time in lockdown, perhaps you promised yourself, man, during this lockdown period, I'm gonna have so much time, I'm gonna read the Bible, I'm gonna pray. Well, let's change that now. Let's make the best use of our time. Let your life now be defined by this new relationship with Christ, the same relationship that Jesus secured for you. Draw near to him 
as he has drawn near to you, and may you be defined by persistent and confident prayer. Let's pray. Father, we turn to you through your son, Jesus, who lives to intercede for us. How beautiful these words are to us. How life renewing, how affirming they are to our hearts. They remind our hearts, they heal the sickness in them. They turn them back to you. And they tell us, Lord, that you're glad to see us, that you're glad to embrace us, that your face smiles towards us. That's what we desire. We desire to look to your son who lives to intercede on our behalf, who loves us, who lasts for an eternity, who will always be there for us. He will never fall asleep He will never falter, he will never walk away, but he will constantly intercede for us. So who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God, you're the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. We turn to you now through your son, Jesus, and we ask, Lord, that you would keep our eyes focused upon him. Help us, Lord, to seek him and not to be affected, not to be tossed to and fro by the changing winds of circumstances. But let us be steady. Let us find our foundation in the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.